Well, over 14 months ago, we began our journey through the book of Acts as a church. January 2021, do you remember way back then? Feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? Like a time warp we've been in. Over the course of those weeks and months, we have been challenged every time we've opened the, opened the text to, to dare to be the church. Been challenged to step out on mission, to live on mission. So now here we sit at the last official weekend of our study of the book of Acts, and it seems like an appropriate time to stop and ask ourselves this question. Might be a sobering question. Has anything changed? Has anything changed? Are we taking up that call to dare to be the church? Are we more daring, more living on mission on a day-to-day basis? Now, for some of you, the answer is an emphatic yes. God has met you. His spirit has empowered you to live differently. You're approaching your life differently as a result of what we've seen in the book of Acts. And I want to say right now, that is awesome. That is awesome. Keep it up. In fact, I'd encourage you when the service is over, turn to the person to your right or left and tell them to encourage them. Say, here is what God has done. This is the way he's changed the way I approach my life. Now, for others of us, though, the answer might be a little more vague. And if that is you, here's what I'd like to say. I'm not trying to stir up any guilt. I don't even want to think about what has transpired. What I'd like to think about is what might it look like moving forward? Here at the end of this series, as we kind of wrap it up, how do we think differently about what it means to dare to be the church and the way that might impact our very life? So in order to do that, we are going to take a few minutes and kind of scan over a number of passages in the book of Acts. I'm going to have those passages on screen for you, but you can follow along in your Bibles as well. But my hope is that by the time we are done, there will be some steps of application that everyone in here will have something that God might prompt them to do, an active, tangible step they could take in order to take up that call to dare to be the church. So to begin our overview, we're going to start in the first chapter of Acts, right after Jesus has walked with his disciples for a number of days, and he's about to ascend, and he gives them one final word, one final commission. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So they're coming to a point where it feels like maybe things are culminating and the disciples are wondering what is next. And they are a little bit like that crowd on Palm Sunday that was hoping this was the moment that Jesus was going to sit down on a physical throne and reign and launch a new glorious time of Israel being the kingdom of God. But Jesus quickly redirected their attention. 
back to the current moment, the very present moment they were in because he had a mission for them. He had a task for them. The mission was that they were to be his witnesses. They were called to be his witnesses. What does that mean, to be a witness? I think simply to be a witness is simply to be able to give an account based on personal experience. To be able to give an account based on personal experience. A couple years ago, Josh and I were driving to lunch or something, and right over here at 70th and Old Cheney, you remember when the yellow flashing lights came, the turn lights that everyone was so confused by? We were right over here at 70th and Old Cheney, and right in front of us, a massive collision. Thankfully, no one was seriously injured. You should have seen, though, Josh jump out of my car and sprint to the scene like a superhero. It's a thing to behold. We were witnesses of that moment. We saw it happen. We could give an account. We could say, this is precisely how it went down. Because we were there. Our firsthand account carried weight. And that's precisely what the apostles, as we've read through Acts, were doing. Over and over again, they were giving an account of something they had very intimate, very personal experience with, very personal knowledge of. Now, some of them had very personal knowledge because they had walked with Jesus himself while he was doing his ministry on the earth. But all of them, all of them had very intimate experience with Jesus because his very spirit came and lived in them. His spirit provided them with personal experience with the risen, living Jesus. To dare to be the church is to dare to be his witnesses. It's to be ready to give an account. It's to testify who he is, what he has done, what he has done personally for me. And then proclaim that he is still living. He rose from the dead and he is the risen, reigning Lord. To dare to be the church is to be a witness. We, church, are witnesses. In the book of Acts, I think we see that role played out in two primary ways. The first one, we don't think about that often. But the way that the church gathered... The way that they came together, that in and of itself was a witness to the world, the quality of love that they had among them, the way they served one another, the way they cared for those in need, that was a witness to the world. That testified who Jesus was to the world that did not know him. We don't think about that that often. The way they gathered served as a witness. But then also, the one that we think of more often, of course, they were always ready to give an account. They were always ready to tell the world about the risen, reigning Lord, to bear witness to him based on their own personal experience. That's what it meant to be the church, and that's what it still means to be the church today. So let's talk about those two for just a few minutes. First, this internal component, the quality of their gathering, the way that they came together and the the characteristics of their very fellowship. We find that they gathered around learning and around service and around love for one another. And the first description we get of this is right when the church really formed after Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 verse 42, Luke describes them this way. 
He says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So first, they came together to be ministered to through teaching and through presence and through prayer. They sat under the common teaching of the scriptures and the apostles' teaching, and then they were very present to one another, and they shared in the Lord's Supper together. And then they prayed for one another. That was a quality of their gathering. So here's a question. Do we do that here? And the answer, of course, is absolutely. We're doing it right now. Right? We're coming together to fellowship, lift up Jesus' name. We do that when we gather in life groups. It's a place where prayer and interaction can be a little more intimate. And we have to keep in mind that, that church is a shared experience. It's not something we view from afar, we're just consumers of or observers of, but we come in to a dynamic fellowship of interactive relationship. And I said at the beginning that I'd like to prompt everyone with possibilities for application, and it might be that what God would ask you to do would be to get in a life group for the very first time. Maybe that's never been an environment that you've been able to experience, a place where people really know you. They can really pray for you. We'd encourage you to consider that. The other thing I'd love to do right now is that for a number of us, watching and engaging from home is still the habit that we're in. And on this day, one week before Easter, I want to encourage anyone who's home, come and join us. Because there is nothing like the physical presence of believers. I listen to you sing and I think I'm surrounded by saints Lifting up God's name. What a joy it is to gather. So that's the first thing we see. They came together to be ministered to through teaching and presence and prayer. Second, we see in Acts 4, verses 34 and 35, they cared for one another. Luke says this, For there was not a needy person among them, for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Simply put, they cared for one another. They were willing to step in and care for the neediest among them, both in their own community, but I think they also had eyes to those who were on the fringes of society, the orphan and the widow, the helpless, the poor. They looked to be people who constantly were attending to the needs that they saw around them. So again, I ask, do we do that here as a church? Now, I'd like to put as a covering over all this. I'm not suggesting we do any of this stuff perfectly, so please hear me. But I do want to highlight that, that this is something that is happening here. You might be wondering why I'm wearing a t-shirt. Never done that before on stage. Well, it was Serve Day yesterday. Serve Day was something that 900 of us engaged in. We went throughout the city, spread out any need that was brought to our attention. Our outreach team came together and they found ways to distribute groups and gatherings of people into those needs to care for those very physical, practical needs. Caring for one another, caring for the very practical needs is part of what it is to be the church. And I do want to say that if you are here and you feel like no one knows the struggle you're walking through, I want to encourage you, let us know. 
Let us know you are not alone. We want to step in. We want to be the church to you. Caring for one another is part of what it is. And as we care for one another and that quality is growing within us, the world sees and they see Jesus when they see us do that. That's a way that we testify. We witness to the very world that does not know him. Final thing we see. I like to kind of think of it as they they were a family together. This is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Kind of an interesting little occasion here. But they're describing a growing issue that was arising. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. So it's an interesting story. There were two things that were arising that I think also bear witness to the world. The first is how will they deal with conflict? And church, the way that we deal with conflict says something to the world. Do we deal with conflict and do we strive towards unity in the manner, in the characteristic, in the spirit of Jesus? But the second thing that I think is very interesting is just as the church was growing, they were experiencing growing pains, organizational tension. How do we serve this many people? How do we do it well? And that's why I say it kind of reminds me of what it means to be a family. Because in a family, you sometimes just have to do that which it takes in order to come together. There's certain tasks that needs to be done. There's certain needs that arise that you just say, okay, who's going to take that? That's part of what you see in this community that was forming. So you ask, does that happen here? And the answer, of course, is yes, every single week and every single weekend. Hundreds and hundreds of people serving in order to allow us to gather to worship our God. People in production crew, people ushering, people greeting, parking attendants, so many different places to serve, so many different people serving. I would like to highlight one very present need this morning, though. The early church, the first century church, had to deal with how do we serve the food. That's not exactly our problem. The issue that we are looking in the face right now is God is doing an incredible thing that we have tons of kids coming every single weekend. Right now, many of your kids are over there being ministered to by our kids team, over 500 kids every single weekend. And what we're seeing is that as that number rises, we're not also seeing people stepping in to serve at an equal rate. And that's so important to us because at that table, we want to be able to individually care for those kids, to witness to them, to represent Jesus to them, to tell them who he is and how much he loves them. And there's a need. And I do wonder whether God might be stirring in one of you to step into that need. And if that's something he might be prompting you to do, I'd encourage you to take a step, to take a step. All three of those, those opportunities that I told you about just for the last few minutes, there are booths, there are people out at the spotlight booth in the foyers that would love to get you in a life group, that would love to help you find ways to reach out to the needy, that would love to connect you to investing in the next generation. 
So when we look at the church in this first century, we see them being a witness, and what is very clear is that the way that they gathered was a testimony to the world. People saw their interactions, and it told them something about the one they worshiped. They gathered to experience Jesus together, and then in turn, the quality of that gathering made Jesus known. Our very gathering testifies to who he is. And Jesus said, we're called to be witnesses. And so that early church, they loved one another, and that's part of what we do. But that's not all we saw as we walked through Acts, is it? No, each and every week, we heard story after story after story of different believers reaching out, expanding the good news, letting the gospel spread to the farthest corners of the earth because they were willing to proclaim, here is who Jesus is. Here is what he did for me. And guess what? He is still alive. He is reigning to make him known, to bear witness to him, to dare to be the church is to witness. And part of being a witness is being prepared to be a witness, to make him known to our family and our friends and our coworkers, to those that God has placed in our life, to be prepared for that. Here's one thing that I know to be true. Everyone here this morning, God has strategically placed exactly where he has for a very specific reason. And no one else, no one else is living your life. No one else has your friends. No one else has your neighbors. No one else has your coworkers. Students, no one else is in classes with the people that you're in class with. God has put you where he's put you strategically, and he is working all around us. There's no one more active than God, and he is calling us to come and join him in his work to play our part, and our part is to bear witness to him, to dare to be the church, wherever he's placed us. Now, I don't think that's a big surprise to anyone. I think that we all know, man, I know I'm supposed to share the gospel. I'm supposed to tell others about Jesus. I think the biggest question we often ask ourselves is, where do I even begin? And in these last few minutes, I want to get very, very practical. I've asked Jacob Erb to come join me on stage. Jacob is on our outreach team. He does a lot with our car care ministry, but he is also very passionate about evangelism. Jacob's been working on some evangelism training, and I asked him, could he come give us some very simple, practical tools so that we could know where to begin, and he could give us some help on that. So, Jacob? Hey, thanks, Ryan. <laughs> thanks, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan, I think, I think you ask a pretty important question. When it comes to witnessing, or as we can simply call it, sharing Jesus with others, where, where do we begin? And I do want to talk about that, but before I do, I want to do a little exercise with you. So if you'll humor me for just a minute, I want to know how many of you guys know Jesus? I'll see some hands. Okay, good. So keep your hand raised if your knowledge or your experience with Jesus has changed your life in any way. Do you see that? You already have everything you need to be a witness all the raw material, everything that you need, you have it. It's really that simple. But we know just because it's simple, that doesn't mean that it's easy or that it comes natural to us. Sharing Jesus, witnessing is something that 
we can grow in and grow in confidence doing. But I wanted to make that point so that you guys know you have what you need. But the question is, where do we start? And so I think when it comes to sharing Jesus with people, the first place to start is always prayer. When it comes to sharing Jesus, prayer should be our first step every time. You know, when we are seeking communication with God, and when we are listening to where he leads, he is going to bring about opportunities to share. So God is preparing people right now to hear your witness. There are people in our city and around you that are ready to hear about the truth and the reality of Jesus, and they just need someone to tell them. So we can be praying for those opportunities, seeking to engage with the work that God is doing. This is the first step, and it's really the easiest. You can do it today, on your ride home from church, at the dinner table tonight as a family, or before you go to bed, be praying for those opportunities that Jesus would bring people to you that you could share your story with. I think the second practical thing that we can all do, and Ryan even made mention of this, is we can be ready, right? We can know our story, right? The easiest way to be ready is to be comfortable, be confident, know your story, understand your witness, because your story is really his story. Or at the very least, Jesus is the hero in our story. Now, undoubtedly, your personal story is complex. It's full of significant moments and things that are really important to you. A lot of us have pages upon pages of the way that God has changed our life, right? Our stories are complex. But the reality is when we are given opportunities to share, we usually only have a couple minutes. So if that's the reality, then we can be ready for that. We can prepare for that. We can work through our story and lay it out in a simple, easy to follow way. So we're going we're gonna to walk through this. We're going to walk through, because everyone's story should really have three major parts or three components to all stories. Now, the, the details will be unique to you, of course, but we can all lay it out in a similar way. And the first part of our story is, what was my life like before Christ? Right? I encourage you to go home, write, write this down. As we talk about our story, write it down. What were those things that you struggled with? What were those doubts that you had, those fears that you had, those, those sins or those things that made it clear that, hey, something is missing. This doesn't have to be an exhaustive list. It can just be one or two things. But the, re- the thing is that those things will point out the reality that our lives, are incomplete without Jesus. So go home and write that down. What was it like before I knew Jesus? That's the first part of your story. The second part of your story is this. What was my encounter with Jesus? How did I come about 
to saving faith? Was it a person who told me uh, an event that I attended? Was it a sin that convicted me of my brokenness? Right out that moment when everything changed, because Jesus, the living, risen Jesus, came into your life. This is so important, and and it's important to write that down and to, to think about that. The final thing in all of our stories is, how has my life changed since Jesus entered? So since that moment of change, how is my life different? And don't worry if it's not dramatic or, or instant, right? A lot of our change is slow and incremental. Maybe the thing you notice how God has patiently walked alongside of you as you have incrementally grown. Write that down. Think through these three parts to your story. Because what's clear from going through the book of Acts is that once we have that encounter with Jesus, and once we accept him as our Lord and Savior, nothing in your life will ever be the same again. In just a couple moments, we're going to celebrate baptisms. And each of these people that are getting baptized today represent a witness, and we'll get to hear their stories. So I want you to pay attention to their stories and listen to the questions that they're answering and the way that they're speaking. They're laying their story, their witness out in a simple way. And you can get better and we can work on this. So I want you to pay attention to that. Because this is where we can start. We can start today. We can all do this today or in the days to come very practically, right? We can be prayerfully seeking opportunities to share and then being ready when they arise, because they will. When we're looking for them, and often when we least expect them. But if we all leave here today, and we do these two simple things, we seek to pray for the opportunities to witness to the reality that Jesus is alive. And then when we get that opportunity, we're ready to share our story Because in today's culture and in the climate that we live, I'd say that's not only daring, but that is exactly what it means to be the church. Thank you, Jacob. Daring to be the church. 14 months, we've reflected on it. We've been challenged to do it, to be witnesses. And we are equipped with the knowledge that our God is faithful and he is working all around us. And we want to be people that play our part, that step in, that place our faith in him, but also know there's a way that he wants us to be involved in that very mission. I said I wanted to have some practical steps, some application today. And so a number of those are internal ways that we gather. But I want to reiterate what Jacob just shared with us. Where do we begin? Jacob challenged us to do two things. We can pray. We can pray. I had a professor once in uh, college that said to me, Ryan, if God answered all your prayers this week, would anyone new come into the kingdom? Boy, uh, that was a challenging thought. It's a challenging thought, but let us take that up as a challenge. I'm going to pray that even during these baptisms, God would come and would, would mention a name to you. 
Someone in your life, he's placed people in your life that he wants to know and that need to know him. I'm going to ask that, that God would, would prompt you with a name and we could commit as, as a church to pray for those people. Let's pray for them daily. Pray that God would meet them, that he would soften their heart, that he would bring people into their life that could bear witness to who he is, and also that we would be bold and we'd be looking for opportunities. See, God's working all the time, but sometimes we, we just drive right past it because we're not looking, but as we're prayerful, I believe he starts to open our eyes to opportunities that are right in front of us so we can pray. Let's pray specifically for someone. Second thing we can do is we can be prepared. We can write our story, and I do want to encourage you, do this. Find time this week to do this. Don't do it just as some job. Do it as an act of worship. God has come into your life, and he has changed your life through the power of his son. Reflect on how he has pulled you out of darkness and despair. He's brought you into newness of life. What an incredible thing to celebrate. Reflect on it, write on it, praise God for it. Let it be an act of worship. I don't want to make any predictions. Those are always scary to make. But I do know that our God is faithful. And I do believe that if we'd commit to these two things and we would do these faithfully, because he is faithful, because he wants to be known, I believe that one year from today, there would be new people worshiping alongside of us. There'd be new people lifting up praise to their God that has saved them from the pit of despair. There'd be new stories being told as we listen to baptisms. I believe God would do that. We're called to be witnesses. So church, let us play our part. Will you join me as we pray? Lord Jesus, you saved us, you rescued us. There's no one like you. You are the risen, reigning Lord, and we praise you for what you have done in each one of our lives, Lord, and I ask that you would help us, help us to know where you want us to be engaged in our world. Bring to mind people that need to know you, and then, Lord, supply us by your spirit with the boldness and the words to say that we might bear witness to how good you are to a world that needs to hear. We ask that you would do it in your name. We pray, amen.